Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike's Princeton FFC Podcast, where we coach you in the Word. I pray your day on this Tuesday, 9-26-23, is going well. Today, we're going to go to session three on when when does one receive the work and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and uh, we're going to continue to share this with you. I think it's very critical for the understanding of the church world that we come to the understanding and the conclusion of where and when the Holy Ghost works, how the Holy Ghost works, why the Holy Ghost works, and what brings us into the action of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I want to welcome you from around the world. Thank you for downloading. Welcome your contact at springston56 at gmail.com. Mike Springston Ministries ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's direct messaging. I want to remind you of my book, I Surrender, available on Amazon and in your local bookstore. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the word of God. Open our eyes that we can see and our ears that we can hear and our heart that we can understand what the word of God is saying to us. Then, Father, may we apply it to our heart, our lives, so that we can be changed into the image of your dear Son. Father, we ask that Jesus would speak to us, show us what we need to know, do, understand, and demonstrate. And as the Holy Ghost reveals it, we'll receive it and release it to your people, and we'll be corrected, blessed, led, and guided into truth. We thank you for it all in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our High Priest, our Lord, and our Man, and the Godhead. Ephesians 4, 7, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ, and we know that word means portion, so we have to understand that grace is given at every step along the six steps (coughs) of which Jesus has accomplished that began in the cross. Today we're going to begin with the portion that's given to us from the acts that Jesus did in the region of the damned. Yes, my friends, he did more in this region than just be resurrected. Let's look. Number one, his spirit being preserved in the tomb, he was prepared to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Number two, he was brought into a condition as we know, that we know as being made the righteousness of God. Number three, in his righteous condition, he took the keys of death and hell. And number four, he was clothed in garments of righteousness. Now, We're only dealing with what he did in the region of the dam. We're not dealing with what he did on the other side of the gulf in paradise. Now for us, there were victories as well. Paul tells us so in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3. First in Ephesians 1, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us, word who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. The power of and in the spirit is provided for us who believe. What is that power? It's the power of total deliverance from the captivity and bondage of the devil. It was the power of the Spirit that facilitated this deliverance. Can you see that the Spirit of God, according to Paul in Ephesians 1 and 19, has reproduced that power to usward? Verse 20, when he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. This power has been already used upon Christ, therefore it will be reproduced in us 
to accomplish the same effects. Verse 22. Far above, or 21. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that's named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. From this action, his lordship, which is another action that is expressed in Jesus Christ for our benefit. If the action is done by Jesus, the action is then being reproduced in us by the Holy Ghost. And has put all things under his feet and gave him to be head of all things to the church. Of course, this is further work of which we will discuss shortly. Which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. All of the conditions Paul speaks concerning in this part of Ephesians 1, from verse 19 to 23, are all reproduced in us. Now let's go to Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we're able to ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. What do you see here? That there is a power we know who is the Holy Spirit who is working exceedingly abundantly and above in us. So what have we taken out of the region of the damned and been delivered with? Well, we've been delivered with the Holy Spirit and His power that will deliver us from any and all things. We've been delivered with the robe of righteousness that's given to us by the force of the operation achieved in this region. The key that ensures that hell is not our ultimate destination. The assurance that we, because of the actions accomplished and the reproduction of these actions by the Holy Spirit, will no longer abide under the law of sin and death. We are no longer under the captivity of sin, so our mortal body now must answer to the spirit world and is taken captive by the fullness of authority that is in Christ Jesus from his victory where he became Christ Jesus, the victoriously anointed one. Now someone would say, Pastor, we thought all of this was just a part of the package that was released at the cross. All I can tell you is, let's look and see. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. As ye have therefore received Christ... Jesus the Lord. Do you see Paul refer to him in three phases of his ministry? Then he says, so walk ye in him. Look at it with a discerning eye. As ye have received Christ Jesus. Now who is Christ Jesus? He is the victoriously anointed one who has been delivered from the spoils with the spoils of victory. From the captivity of death and the placement among the demonic because of his death. Who is Jesus? He is the one who died on the cross and was buried in the tomb. As we have received him, so walk ye, look at the word, in, in him. Walk in means to be in the time, the place, and the state of which he was in. It means that by all means give yourself holy to what you have received in him. So Paul establishes that we must walk completely and wholly in time, place, and state with Jesus. Jesus went further than the cross, my friends. 
That's the thing you must understand. The activity of the Holy Ghost went further than the cross. It went into the tomb. It went into the region of the damned. It went into the holy place. It went into the Holy of Holies. He became Lord. He became the man in the Godhead. And in so doing, released and revealed the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. So we're seeing this now. Look at verse 7. Colossians 2. Rooted and built up and established in the faith as ye have been taught abounding therein with thanksgiving. This process of being in time, place, and state with Jesus Christ will root us and build us up in Him. If we remain in the cross, and that's all we ever get, we never die to the flesh. We never receive the deliverance and become clothed in the garment of righteousness. We never get to that point. We must go there. It is intended for us to go there, or Jesus would have not gone there. Because as we receive him, we walk in him. This thing will rule us and build us up in him. It will establish our faith in him. It will make us abound in thanksgiving. Why? Because we're no longer dealing with the death of the cross and the forgiveness of sin and the healing of our spirit. We're no longer dealing with the acts that Paul defined as being the acts of the flesh in Galatians 5. No, we're no longer dealing with that, but we've moved on into the fruit of the Spirit. And then where deliverance is concerned, we're no longer dealing with any captivity, bondages that would come from any of sin, any of original sin, even that that holds our body in distress. So we're not dealing with anxiety, oppression, depression, compression, stress, and all of that foolishness that original sin placed upon our body. Therefore, we can live in the thanksgiveness, thanksgiving rather, that causes us to be able to abound. Why? Because we have received the acceptable day of the Lord. We are released from the bondage of original sin. My friend, Look now at Galatians chapter 5, verse 24 and 25. And they that are Christ, the victoriously anointed one, who have crucified the flesh, they have died, and they have buried the flesh, and they, as Christ, have come out of the, the, the region of the damned, having their spirit intact, reproduced, in the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, having the robes of righteousness, having the assurance of the key that they will never go to hell, having the assurance that they will never see or live in the law of the spirit of death, but yet that they will live in the law of the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus. Okay? And they that have are in Christ now, having crucified the flesh, have died to the affections and lusts. Watch it. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If we're to live and walk in the Spirit, we are to. Why? Because the Spirit will bring us to walk and live in the actions of Jesus Christ. When we do, He will reproduce these actions in us. 
This will occur in such a way that the power that is in us will function, as Paul tells us in Ephesians 3, in great abundance. Now, as we uh, can see, we don't come out of the tomb any more empty-handed than Jesus did. No, sir, we do not. We come out with the assurance of the operation of what those keys of death and hell accomplished in the hand of Jesus. They'll no longer serve, my friend, to lock us in and keep us under any of the bondage that were designed by Satan to hold you captive. No more poverty, no more brokenness, no more bruising, no more blindness, and no more bondage. We've been delivered by following the actions of Jesus and allowing the Holy Spirit to reproduce that work in us. This work resulted in the plan of salvation being provided to us. What happens? The wicked is cut off. Now what? Well, we've taken and plundered his goods in the ways that I've shown you. We also take out of the region of the damned goods that will establish us and give us talents and abilities. We take out of the region of the damned control of our bodies. I'm going to show you that shortly. The thing we must know is that if we were, if we refuse the grace and the blood associated with the divine work of God for our benefit, we will open up the door to many areas of our life where we will be vulnerable. What do we see? We see sickness. We see disease. We see all of those shuns, oppression, anxiety, depression, so forth and so on. How did that happen? Because Christians have never been taught that in the spirit world, they are to follow Jesus into the place where they were delivered and where the spirit of death and the law of that spirit was enforced, there came a greater enforcer. And he called Jesus out of that region and then reproduced that deliverance in us until we became the same righteousness by the same standard that was caused by the same force. And now we live as joint heirs with that same man in the family of God under the acceptable year of the Lord. Hallelujah. The thing we must know is that we cannot and must not refuse grace and the blood. It is the divine work of God for our benefit. Grace has been provided for us to accomplish this stage of God's plan. Most do not because they don't see anything beyond the cross. They think that in the spirit world, it all just comes to fruition because they believe. The Bible does not teach that. And those that are teaching you that are leaving you vulnerable to the attacks of the devil. Now we know the word of God said that we're going to be tempted by common things and God has made a way of escape. He did. It began with the cross. It went to the tomb. You need the escape that comes from what occurred in the region of the damned that delivered you from all of the captivity and bondage of the devil. 
But most people don't do that because they pull up in the parking lot of the cross and stay there and think that that's all God's got for them. This part of the plan, my friend, beyond the cross, is all spiritual. And you're going to have to become in tune and intact with your spiritual self in order to bring this to fruition in yourself. This must be pursued, and it must be done so with vigor, because it is a place that Jesus went. If you receive Christ Jesus, walk in him. We're to follow Jesus, so if we're to defeat the head of the house of the wicked, we must go where Jesus went. Someone said, I thought he went for me. He went to the cross so that you, my friend, could follow him. He went to the tomb so that you could follow him. He went to the region of the damned so that you could follow him. As you follow him, you gain victory over sin, the flesh, and of course, the bondage of sin. Now let's be honest here. Has your salvation truly produced victory? Has your trip to the cross truly produced the results that reflect the actions of Jesus Christ? More than likely, the answer is no. You would say, I have my struggles with sin, doubt, fear, and unbelief. Well then, the question is why? Is that what the actions of Jesus and the reproduction of the Holy Spirit concerning those actions in you and the plan of salvation were intended to accomplish? It's clear that the answer to this is an emphatic no. Jesus' work was complete. That's what Paul teaches. That's what Peter taught. It was perfect and it was thorough. The issue is not the actions of any of the three operations. It's the lack of understanding concerning how we were meant to respond to these actions. Since we do not know the relationship or the required responses, we placed ourselves almost inadvertently in a vulnerable position in the spiritual domain. But what did the Word of God say? My people die for lack of knowledge. You see, Satan knows full well what happened. He knows full and well what you do not know. He also knows full and well what you refuse to be educated concerning because you continue to be indoctrinated by messages that do not tell you the truth. My friend, this is devastating to you as a Christian. You have blind spots which you cannot be prepared for. You have struggles that seem to come out of nowhere, and when they do, they are traumatic, they're hurtful, and they bring guilt and shame. Greater yet, you've developed calluses on those blind spots, cataracts, if you will, and given in to what you think are the facts. The facts are, I guess this condition will just continue in me, and God's grace is greater than my weakness. Well, you would say it must be the plan of God for me. It must be his plan to keep me humble. My friend, that's foolish thinking. But these are the thoughts of those who are living in the blindness of the lack of freedom. How did it happen? Well, because they were never taught the truth concerning the coordination of the acts of Jesus, 
the reproduction of those actions by the Holy Spirit that was manifested in the phases of the plan of salvation all to bring exposure and to be exposed in your life. So out of hell we come with victory. We're delivered with Jesus Christ. We're clothed in new garments. We've been reproduced to be as he is. Deliverance produced total freedom from the nature that we buried and the nature that we left in hell. Our new nature is full of talents and abilities that we can use to bring glory to the God for the work provided for us in the actions of Jesus Christ and the reproduction of the Holy Spirit and His great wisdom in the release and revealing of the plan of salvation. You would ask, Now, Pastor Mike, I just wanted to be saved. I just wanted to not go to hell. I just wanted to have the peace of mind that I'm okay with God. Well, so do I. But the plan of God is more than just what happened at the cross. It's more than just wanting to go to heaven. It's bigger than you're just desiring to not go to hell. There's a life that must be lived. There's a life that must become an overcomer. There's a life that cannot serve two masters. One must reconcile to this fact, my friend. Saved is the starting point. It was never meant by God to be the destination. Actually, it was meant by God to be the beginning of a life that would grow into the image of His dear Son. God cannot bring you into that image if you choose to stop the growth cycle. If you choose to reject grace in the blood, you are rejecting the actions of Jesus and the Holy Spirit's ability to reproduce Christ in you and the means by which God pronounced that he would destroy the house of the wicked and step on him from the foundation to the neck. Yet, yes, that's salvation. So when one says that he's received all the Holy Spirit that he required when he got saved, what are they really saying? What is it? They're saying that they received the portion of the measure of the Holy Spirit that is associated with the distinct work of grace to which it is attached. If they remain there, it will be the only work of grace they ever know. This is unfortunate because God devised a fail-proof plan for every believer. But because of a lack of education, a lack of teaching, and a lack of learning, the believer rejects the portion of actions, reproduction, and salvation that are required when you grow up into the image of Christ. Having received the influence of grace that causes the flesh to die and be buried, and the spirit man to come victorious out of hell, man has received the actions of Jesus and the reproduction of the Holy Spirit as it is manifested in deliverance. Now what comes next in the process of coming into the image of his dear son? As Jesus leaves the earth for the first ascension, he goes immediately into a brand new capacity. He becomes a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. 
In this capacity, he will serve to be the high priest over his own sacrifice. He goes into the tabernacle made without hands and begins the offering by sprinkling blood on the vessels of ministry. The outcome of this effort will soon be seen as Jesus will conclude his offering and be ushered into the Holy of Holies. Now we become aware of why the veil was torn. It is for Jesus Christ the high priest to offer and have access into the place where the Godhead dwells. So what is the action of Jesus Christ the high priest? In offering this blood, he sanctifies the believer and calls them brethren according to Hebrews chapter 2. So what's the corresponding work of salvation that's extended to the believer? He's secure, safe in the actions that have been established by the operation of the blood. So when they say that there is grace that comes into once in grace, always in grace, there is a place in the walk with Jesus where a person can come in to that place of security. It is in the priesthood. Now in that priesthood, however, there must be a daily cleansing, purging, and refining to maintain that place of security. Because we know from studying the Old Testament tabernacle that daily they purged and cleansed and refined themselves in the labor. And then they went and waited outside the holy place to ensure that what they had cleansed and purged and refined in the water of the labor was acceptable because they had to be called into the holy place. So I want to tell you, getting saved and coming into the priesthood, there is safety, grace that is safe. But in order to maintain that grace, the priest must maintain his condition of cleansing his face, his hands, and his feet so that he can be called daily into the tabernacle, into the holy place. So, what's the action of Jesus? He's offered now, and we became sanctified and called his brethren. With these two operations in place, now the Holy Spirit must get involved. What is he to reproduce in the life of a believer? He'll reproduce the position of priest. How will uh, that occur? When man in the spirit follows or walks with Jesus into the worship arena, he prepares himself for the work of the priest. What did I say he would do? He would cleanse, purge, and refine himself as he has been delivered from the effects of sin now ready he waits for the operation of the high priest to conclude. When it does, he's called into the holy place. How is he called? He is called by the term brethren. The word simply means brother. It identifies the one who has a blood connection to the one who is referring to him in this manner. That is Jesus Christ the high priest. What is the condition of the one called? Well, he is sanctified 
by the sanctifier. Look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. For both he that sanctifieth, that is Jesus Christ the high priest, and they who are sanctified, that is the believer, who is now operating in the condition of priest, as the sanctified, they now become one. How did they become one? Because they had the connection of grace and the blood. Now watch what he says, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them his brother. They have the term now of oneness, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church will I sing praise unto him. At this point, the Holy Spirit begins to reproduce the work of the high priest in the believer. He's sanctified. He is sanctifying the brethren in accordance with the work of what the sanctifier has done. This work of reproduction that's been completed by the high priest ensures, secures, and brings safety to the believer as he begins to operate in his priestly ministry. Now in the midst of the tabernacle, the priest can now begin to worship with clean hands and a pure heart. He has come into the holy place and he is made holy by the connection of the blood to the high priest. In essence, where is this priest? He is in time, place, and state coordinated with the high priest. Father, I thank you for the word of God. I pray that you will bless those that hear. I pray that you will minister to them now as they have heard the word of God taught today and recognize where they must go in the spirit world and why they must go. If they are to gain freedom and to walk in the place of power that Paul told us in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3 that we were to be in of exceeding abundance, we must go and we must follow the steps of Jesus. And as we do so, we will not only live in the Spirit, but we will walk according to that Spirit. Bless us now, I pray, in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. Well, I'm done for the day. That finishes session three, but I'm not finished. So I want you to come back and join us for part four of this. When does one receive the works and the gifts of the Holy Spirit? I think we're seeing that we're receiving the Holy Spirit's reproduction through the actions of Jesus and the plan of salvation. Well, find him as Lord, and there you can bring all of your plunder, and he will make them bow their knee. Find him as the man in the Godhead. He'll lead you and guide you and show you great things that are to come. May God bless you until we speak again.